Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I'm excited to announce I've got Stephanie Sylvia Costello. She's an intimacy and relationship mentor. And today, we're going to be talking about how not to take things personally. So on that note, Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today, Lynn. It's really, really appreciated that you're taking your time out to uh, talk to our listeners today, because I don't think we've actually drilled down on this subject before. And I think it's such an important topic to talk about. And um, I think once we master something like this, the sky's the limit, really, not just in personal relationships, but, you know, for success in all areas of your life, isn't it? Mm, So true. Absolutely. Mastering uh, how not to take things personally is is quite a journey. In fact, I feel like it's a never ending journey. It's not one where you get to a destination where you've succeeded it 100 percent. It's a daily practice, just like meditation. Absolutely. So talking about how not to take things personally, where do you start off, you know, when you're speaking or training people around this subject? How do you start off introducing this subject? Mm, Great question. Uh, My favorite, one of my favorite things in quick reads to go to is the four agreements uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, That is that is the quickest, easiest, um, most uh, helpful way to really approach this topic to gain a quick perspective of what does taking things personally really mean. And where does that extend from? And then as we're, uh, you know, reading into the book or, or taking out pieces of what the book shares, I then give the individuals I'm chatting with the opportunity to look into their own experiences in life and find where did they kind of make some blind agreements with the world that is creating this perception of taking things personally. And I like to sort of narrow this down to um, head versus heart situation, because I think head is all about the ego Mm. and you know, probably operating from a place of fear and therefore reacting from that place. And the heart is all about your intuition and, you know, a space of love and responding from that space. And I think depending on, you know, what you hear in the moment can depend on how you might react or respond. That um, I think for me indicates that if you are reacting from that headspace, your ego headspace and from Mm -hmm. that place of fear, it's actually telling you that something needs to be healed. That's the way I look at things. Yes, absolutely. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about too is between ages two and six, we we really learn a lot of the core behaviors and communication and emotional patterns in our in our childhood from our parents, both from observing our parents, from observing school, you know, other parents, other children. And so when we're when we're getting when we're being trained a certain way in ways that we don't necessarily realize too sometimes. For example, why is it inappropriate to talk to the person in the stall next to you in a public bathroom? 
right? There's no rules anywhere that says you can't do that. It's just something that you don't do. And, and it's, it's a privacy thing, but no one's ever said it's a privacy thing. It's just something you feel and you, and you observe as a kid. So you follow that. Um, maybe if it's a tiny little toddler looking under the stall, it's like, no, 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 don't do that. You know, that's, that's <laughs> right. And so they might learn from, from us, you know, correcting them as kids. Uh, but that's just one example of how we we kind of make these we have these beliefs that we are ingrained in us that we never really talked about read anywhere or or it's more of just an experience and a sense of knowing. And so when we get stuck in those fear based mindsets, right, especially if there was maybe disconnects in communication between parents or a divorce or some sort of, you know, relationship malfunction as a as a young kid or or growing up. Um, that can create a lot of fear in, our, in us as we get older and, and engaging in, in our own relationships. We can unintentionally replicate those patterns if we aren't aware of them. So could you give us, um, obviously without mentioning any names, would you be able to give yeah. us some, uh, like a case study, you know, that of your experience with either a client or somebody that you know of what it was that they were taking personally, how that played out and how you can overcome that? Mm, Such a great question. So I'm thinking of um, an empty nester of a client that I was working with. She's an empty nester. She's married. Um, She is a grandma as well. And a lot of her struggles around communication specifically and understanding what her partner was trying to say to her, uh, the both of them kind of had that disconnect. And uh, some of it was his upbringing, some of it was her upbringing. And for her in her, in her upbringing, her parents did a lot of, um, she was the youngest in the family, uh, the only girl as well. And so her parents did a lot of, oh, princess this and princess that, and princess always gets what she wants and kind of really shaming her. Um, because being an only, uh, an only female, that seemed to be something that they struggled with as a family. And so she's growing up and she's got these beliefs that she doesn't fit in and she is a princess and no one's going to like her because she is acting like a princess and she's always getting what she wants. So she hurt. She would hear that sometimes from her husband through his messaging, but was he never intended it to be sent that way. Right. He was just saying his observations. Now he had his own his own side of things that he was hearing her and what he was hearing is not what she was intending because of how he experienced his childhood, but I didn't work with him. So I can't really speak to his side of it. So could you give us an example of what, you know, I suppose he was saying that she was responding to as being, you know, something that she received as negative. Mm, Her favorite thing is to go to the beach. And one of the things she loves about the beach is time isn't a thing. Responsibilities aren't a thing. When she goes to the beach, she doesn't want to have to worry about anyone or think about anyone or do anything, but just focus on being on the beach. And uh, her partner really struggled with that because if her partner needed something or had an idea of a time frame for the day and, you know, we're, you, you go to the beach now and we'll do this later and we'll do that later. Well, she would say, okay, yeah, we'll do that. But she wouldn't necessarily stay committed to what she said she would do because at the beach, it's just her freedom space. She's, she feels free there. And so whenever she wouldn't necessarily follow her words, which is something that we worked on, um, he would take that as a direct insult. You don't care about me. You don't love me. 
Um, or he would, when he would say to her, you know, I really want this. I don't want you to go to the beach. She would feel like he didn't love her because, uh, he didn't want her to feel that freedom. She would take it as he didn't want her to feel that freedom. He didn't want her to go enjoy herself. He wanted her to be miserable, right? Which neither of those messages were true. It's just, they both were wanting different things and coming to a workable compromise was something that they needed some help figuring out how to do. And what was that workable compromise? Absolutely. So one thing is, so the, the, the piece of not taking things personally. Um, so if he was upset that she was going to the beach, she now can freely go to the beach and not take it personally. She, if he's upset about something, that's his, it's okay to be upset. I hear you that you're upset, but I'm going to be selfish, healthily selfish in this moment. And I'm going to go to the beach. Right. And then if he, if there was a time where she decided to be selfless, healthily selfless, and he asked for her to do something, she might then compromise with him. And so understanding each other's dynamics of healthily selfish or healthily selfless and giving and receiving in the relationship, they were able to really gain some clarity around that. So um, she, she was able to be able to explain to him about what the beach meant to her and means to her and how important it is for her happiness to go to the beach. Um, and he's able to respect that, right? Okay. I understand you need that. So I'm going to respect that you need that and know that at some point it's going to be reciprocated and being able to build that trust and that healthy reciprocation was really, it's not necessarily the workable compromise in the situation. It's the workable compromise overall with that healthy give and receive, um, in their relationship. Excellent. I love that example. So for them, it was, you know, like you say, training them to look at it in a loving way you know because quite often we receive things and if we automatically feel our hackles rise you know that's when we're in our heads and in our ego isn't it and that's where we're coming from that place of fear and wanting to react Uh, and knowing Mm. that you know that it's triggered something but it's not necessarily the the partner that's triggered it It's, it's something that's been unhealed from our past you know, and like you said, for that particular client, it was probably because she was made to feel like she was being deaverish, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or acting like a princess, but not in a in and not not in a positive mm-hmm. way. It was more, you know, perceived by her as that she was um, acting out by the sound of things as mm-hmm. a child. Absolutely, and and even if in that that acting out message is is a a belief that she knew wasn't true but still to this day was struggling with navigating. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? How we're not even educated around being mindful of our own thoughts, Mm. you know, or parented about being mindful of what's running through our heads that could be, you know, having a negative impact on the results that we're creating for ourselves. Yeah, it it is definitely uh, a pandemic, in my opinion. You know, we have classes like gym class and food class and, and here in the United States with, you know, public schools, but we don't have an emotional class. We don't have a class teaching five-year-olds how to talk to five-year-olds. Uh, and, and nowadays, five-year-olds are watching these superhero movies that are these live action, very intense movies. So they're five years old, but they have such an awareness of the world that a five-year-old can't really 
understand. So now they take that and they go to school and they act those things out and they're saying things that they really don't understand what they're saying or acting things out. They really don't understand what they're doing. Uh, and so it's incredibly difficult for, for humans to be able to bond and have that give and take. It's an exercise, just like going to the gym. We have to exercise understanding our own thoughts and our own brain and how our brains work, you know, that nature versus nurture and so on. Yeah. And I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, doing things in a healthy way, um, because it isn't, is it um, selfish to be um, somebody that's making their self-care a priority? Because without making ourselves a priority to some degree and focusing on our own well-being, we're, we're not giving up, going to be able to give our best to our partners or anybody else for that matter, are we? So... Couldn't have said it any better. Mm-hmm. Um, selfish is not a dirty word. That is one of my 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 favorite sayings. Um, it, you know, being selfish. There's only a ma- there's a, a, a level of energy that you have to give, right? And so if you're if you're dumping all of your energy in one bucket and not enough in the other buckets, you're 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 that bucket's going to be overflowing, and you're going to be basically if you think about a bank right you put enough money in you can only take a certain amount out well if you if you're not putting enough into the bank and you're withdrawing and withdrawing and withdrawing you're going to have all these late fees which are going to result in our body which is you know those late fees equal disease and pain and sadness and our body starts to say hey you know i'm i'm breaking down because i'm not being fed enough energy enough love enough food and water and and all these other things it's it's fascinating to me that when I'm working with clients on like, you know, the time that they're dedicating to their day and lunch is the, that's the, that's the first thing off the list. Oh, that's easy that I can, I can negotiate lunch. I don't need lunch. It's like, no, no, you can't. Yeah, I agree. Because I think any health symptoms are usually are a result of our body telling us, you know, it's in this ease, which is Mm -hmm. where the word disease comes from. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so true. So that, and, and you go back to the, um, the blind beliefs and the taking things personally, uh, if there's a, if there's a food challenge and you're, you know, or not a food challenge, but a, a self-care challenge, there's your, there might be a level of taking things personally from an, an ego sense because the brain is so stuck in, you know, uh, fight, flight, freeze, faint, survival. It's so stuck. The brain might be so stuck in survival because it hasn't been properly nourished, which then is going to enhance that dysfunction of taking things personally and emotionally being ramped up because the, uh, the, the, your cells are like, I'm starving, feed me. I need food now. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's important even from you know, like you said, you know, regardless of what else is happening in our life to, to take responsibility for, mm-hmm. for making sure we get enough food, hydration, sleep, exercise and everything else, isn't it? Oh, so amazing. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And and then to, to add a little bit more to the, to be able to communicate that confidently is, is really a very powerful skill which is, is often the last one. Um, I hear all the people come to me all the time and they'll say, I really want to do this. Now, how do I, how do I do it? How do I say it? And it's like, well, you, you say it. Well, what do you mean? I just say it. It's like, yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? Obviously you want to make sure you're being respectful and you have that tone of love, 
But just saying what you're wanting is the first step. And it's most people are like, but I can't, then they're going to get mad at me. And there's a lot of fears around mm. what might happen. And it's like, yeah, those all might happen. And if they happen, we'll figure out how to navigate it. But you got to start somewhere and saying it is the best place to start. I agree. And unfortunately, I, I can vouch for this myself. I don't know about you, Stephanie, but mm. I can remember my parents almost training me saying I want as being something negative because yeah. you know I used to get the response from my parents I want don't get mm, interesting um I I'm, I can't think of some of the statements oh if you have you have a food in your belly a roof over your head and clothes on your back so you have everything you need right you weren't allowed to want uh, and, and that is definitely, and, and even, you know, hugs, you weren't allowed to want hugs, uh, because our parents clearly, I'll speak for mine. My parents were not taking care of themselves. So a child asking them for a hug was like a child asking them to give them whatever energy they had left over because they weren't doing, there was so much hustling and bustling, um, to, to go back to the communication piece around it and, and to be able to being able to say it, if, if, if genuinely coming out and saying it is too much of a challenge, write it out, like figure out what it is do I want and what it is, is it that I am going to ask for? Because there's a head versus heart, right? There's sometimes there's stuff in our head that is like, oh, okay, I thought I wanted that. It's, it sounded pretty or it looked pretty in my head, but in reality, it just doesn't work out. So that's where what I call a head trash purge is a great opportunity to really gain clarity, knowing what we all know we don't want. So write it all out. What don't you want? And then translate that. Okay. If I don't want this, that means that I want this, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to really gain that clarity um, is helpful to then approach the conversation of saying it to the person. And it's, always got to be from what you just said that place of about you rather than pointing the finger and saying it's about them because then it's not going to be received well so rather than saying oh you never take me out it's better to say I would love to go out because that's making it about you rather than about them and and so basically in making it about you you're making it you're assertively communicate communicating instead of being accusatory you're not doing good enough, right? You didn't do this. You didn't do that. It's like, okay, maybe that's true. And, and if it is true, then hopefully at some point you can talk about the differences of what each other are doing. But in the beginning, it's very important to start with, I want X, I want Y, you know, this is how I crave to be, have be connected or be bonded or be touched. Uh, you know, whatever it might be, this is how I crave to engage with my partner. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of making it eye focus, not in a way that it's like, ah, oh, it's all about me. Right. <laughs> right. But there's a very, there's a level of what is it that you want? What is it that they want? And what's the middle ground and being able to really navigate that conversation with ease uh, is one of my, my main goals in, in the work that I do. Excellent. Love it. And um, I always give this as a bit of a tip as well, when you're speaking to, um, you know, men, men, mainly we all have um, masculine and feminine energy and that yeah. masculine energy is mainly embodied by the man and the feminine energy is mainly embodied by the woman. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is just generally about energy, but, you know, a, a man normally 
likes to receive um, words in the, the would you and will you rather than can you or could you. So I always mm. say to women, you know, when you're asking him for something, it's better to ask with the W words like would you or will you rather than can you or could you? Because of course they can or they could, but it sounds more like uh, an ultimatum when you put it like that. Whereas they would you and will you is they receive it more politely, you know, as you would. Um, the way I like to sort of I'd drive the point home so that women can remember is um, you'd never hear a man saying, can you marry me? He'd always say, will you marry me? Oh, I love that. You know, I've never really sat back and thought about it. I'm going to have to chew on that one and, and learn more about the difference in those those word choices. Absolutely. Yes. That's one of my big tips that uh, I share, you know, when I'm working with women is to re- remember that the W words are the words that really work well with men. Yeah. And if you can't remember whether it's the W's or the C words that work the best, re- remember the phrase, you know, about when he asks you to marry him, he would never say, can you or could you? He'd always say, will you? So powerful. Such such powerful little tidbits like that, that, <laughs> you know, if we could just have a, um, a Wikipedia for the right way to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I can't take credit for that. Uh, I think it might have been um, actually from the, the John Gray book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, that I probably oh, yeah. or one of those sorts of, um, you know, uh, super extraordinary relationship experts that I've learned my craft from over time. I can't as I say, take the credit for that, but I've always remembered it. Yeah, it's very powerful. Thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. So how not to take things personally? What are we really saying when, we, when we're advising and educating people around that particular phrase, Stephanie, do you think? Open mind, having an open mind um, and just being very aware that your beliefs are thoughts that you stop thinking about, thoughts that are just ingrained in you, that are subconscious, that are, are made on a daily basis without realization. And so the more we can be uh, as aware and as current in the present moment as we can be, the more we can really embrace an open mind and work on active listening and in the conversation. So there can be a reciprocation in the relationship. Yeah, perfectly said. I think it's all about, you know, becoming more and more aware of your self-talk and your, your verbal loud talk as well. Mm-hmm you know, what language you're actually speaking, not only about yourself, but about others and your, in to, particular, your partner as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, understanding that if it's not being received particularly well, that might be because they've got stuff that needs healing. Um, but also it could be the way you're communicating it. Yes, exactly. And there's always, again, there's always a middle ground there. There's, it's always a little bit of both. And, and as long as the two parties can really come to a understanding that there's acceptance, that there's certain things you cannot change in a situation and there's certain things you can work on. Um, not that the person doesn't want to change, not that the person isn't trying to change. It's just, there's some radical acceptance around what is, what is, what just is and letting it, that is, it just is. And, but what isn't just is, what can we actually shift so that we're both can continue our happiness in the, in the connection. 
I think it's also important to realize that you know what what is worth getting upset about you know um, you know the thing is that it's there's no point sweating the small stuff basically is in relationships Mm -hmm. 100% I feel that quite often you know there's 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 little niggly things like he you know um you know if if it's just a, a minor thing then it's 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 sometimes worth asking yourself: Is it worth letting this go, or is this going to become a bit of an issue for me if it if it doesn't get resolved? Mm, for example, we have a little pantry area that has our stove and a few cabinets and in our refrigerator. And if there's one spot in the house that needs to be clean, it's that spot. That and the toilets. The <laughs> toilets can't. We have three tiny humans, so the toilets need to be clean yeah and that spot and that those are my non-negotiables like i don't care what you have going on i don't care what the rest of the house looks like these two areas need to be picked up after you go and use them and so when i enter this area i need a clean cabinet clean counter clean stove right clean toilet if you made a mess with it after you you use like don't just get up and walk away clean the toilet so the next time someone goes to use it it's clean themselves for them as well so Um, there's, there's little non-negotiables that you can really set that are actually important to you versus, uh, the, the little bits of like my husband's socks that just get taken off and thrown around the house in my room and the kid's room, just on the stairs. They're just always crumpled up socks, just laying around the entire house. (laughs) I choose not to pick that battle. (laughs) Yeah. And he wonders why it's probably not got many pairs <laughs> that fit together <laughs> exactly exactly well maybe he's not bothered about that men doesn't be bothered about that sort of stuff though they they seem to whether they're colorblind or not they, yeah. they don't seem to be as um, mindful of um minor suppose, things matching the way w- women do yeah those are those are minor uh self-care details that men yeah. inside out bro- holes in them and i'm just like what what are you doing you buy new socks <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't really enter their head as being a priority does it <laughs> uh, and again we're stereotyping but you know um it's understanding that there is a difference between men and women you know mm-hmm. we do think differently we do look differently. Men are, are not hairy women, as I like to say, mm. you know, and uh, we, we do behave differently. So it's understanding that, that, that there is going to be communication differences as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so not trying to expect him to behave or respond in a way that you necessarily expect another woman would in the same situation, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's we both have... <laughs> I'm speaking to my own experience because I have been married to a male who identifies as a male, right? For uh, 11 years. Well, we've been together 11 years now. And so that's just my experience. And those are the terms we use in our household. Um, With that said, we are very, we do our best to be very inclusive. And the people that he talks to, he can even go, his friends, he can go talk to them and say the same thing about the details that I might prefer versus the details that a male might his male friends might prefer. And we do see a lot of commonalities in the relationships that we engage in um, naturally that just kind of come between work and friends and, you know, the whole, our, 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 our local community, there is a lot of uh, similarities and a woman can get together and, talk about being annoyed that the socks are laying around 
and the guy could care less about them. Their care, my husband, usually they're talking about uh, fixing up something in the home or, you know, taking care of the chimney. They're, they're talking about the, the more. More sports. Yes, exactly. Or dutiful, you know, or not even, I don't even know. Yeah. The sports will stick to that. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. They're the more around the doing and the action focused things, because that is part of the masculine energy, mm-hmm. you know, that to most males embody, especially in, in, in opposite sex relationships. But understand that sometimes as well, you know, that if you have got, you know, any niggles or you're just feeling generally that um, you're not been looking after yourself in terms of your own self-care, it sometimes it's better to pick a girlfriend to talk to rather than dumping Mm -hmm. that on your partner isn't it sometimes you know some things are better discussed amongst your girly friends if if there's a level of therapy that needs to be to be had absolutely you know talk to some friends that really can understand your perspective if there's a level of action that you're desiring maybe try to find a guy that is not emotionally invested in the relationship and talk to them and ask them what that might what might be their perspective on the situation so that you can really uh, get some insight from potentially your husband's perspective that you won't get from the female counterparts. Exactly. Yeah. Very, very valid point. So um, Stephanie, any final words of wisdom around this subject of um, how not to take things personally that you'd like to share with the audience before we start wrapping things up? Do your best to Figure out what it is you want and how to say that with confidence to anyone that you're in a relationship with. And it's important not to worry about rocking the boat, because I think sometimes we can be in the um, people pleasing mindset, can't we? Again, isn't a healthy trait to embody because then, you know, resentments can build up. Um, So don't be afraid to rock the boat with your partner um, because at the end of the day, they might not receive it very well in the moment, but but you'll ultimately, I feel, have that more more respect from them than trying to tiptoe around the situation or, you know, not talk about it. Yes, absolutely. So, Stephanie, uh, for the benefit of our audience, um, I know that you said off off air that you've got something that you could offer as a, a great gift for them today. Yeah. So uh, if there's any, if there's listeners looking to learn how to assertively communicate, really gain that confidence and do it with ease, we have a, a free checklist they're able to access at safety in safety, in safety in forward slash assertive communication. Excellent. And as always, we always put our guests other contact information in the show notes so you'll find all of stephanie's information and contact information as well in the show notes if you want to get in touch by any other platform so again thank you so much stephanie for coming onto the podcast and sharing your wise words of wisdom i thoroughly enjoyed the topic and um, enjoyed the conversation thank you so much for having me and on that note listeners i'll leave you with true love starts with opening our hearts and until next time goodbye for now thanks for listening to the hearts entwined podcast you can follow lynn via the facebook group two hearts entwined or search lynn smith inspirational speaker at linkedin or email lynn at hearts entwined.com that's 
lyn at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.